Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, Reverend Albert Feliciano Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised and infallible word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here is Pastor Albert with today's word. The title of my message for the body of Christ is very simple, from crisis to Christ. How many are going through a storm this morning? Praise God. If you're not going through a storm, guess what? You're about to probably go through a storm sooner or later. It is going to happen sooner or later to every single one of us. You will be going through a trial. Just remember not to curse the crisis. It's the very trial that God might be allowing to enter into your life, to develop you, to prepare you, to mature you in Him. Amen? Let's open up our Bibles to Exodus chapter 17. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 7. If you have it, say, I'm there, Pastor. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's begin reading. Exodus 17, verse 1. And the word of the Lord says, Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin. Listen to that. According to the commandment of the Lord, and camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? Very interesting statement. And the people thirsted there for water, And the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it that you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Turn your neighbor and say, Get it together. Praise God. Stop murmuring and complaining. Hallelujah. Get it together. Verse 4. So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. Praise God. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, Because of the contention of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? You may take your seats this morning in the presence 
of the Lord. Glory to God. Our God is so wonderful. Our God is so faithful. Our God is so good. He never ceases to amaze me. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody in this place. <clears throat> God is amazing. God never, never drops the ball. He shows himself strongest in our times of crisis. Glory to God. It, does, it doesn't matter what it is. God starts in the positive and he ends in the positive. Of course, it may not seem that way when you're going through a storm or when you're going through some kind of crisis. The first sentiments, the first things you might be going through is shock and awe and fear and dread and doubt. And you might say, why is this happening to me? You might start getting anxious and having dread. But through all those real emotions, we seem to forget one small detail, which is probably the most important, that God is still in control. While you might be manifesting, while you might be going through some drama llama ding dong, God is still on his throne. God is still in control. And God still loves you. And God is watching over you. The only time that we really start to see problems in the midst of crisis is when we start complaining and when we start murmuring, when we start backbiting and starting to have all these little complaints voiced out openly. This is one of the most historically accurate things we see in Scripture where in almost every case, if not 100%, God literally has to walk away from people while they're murmuring and backbiting against him. We cannot lose sight that God is always on the case. God is always on the job. God will bless you. God will finish the work. But you have to keep your composure. Here in this passage of Scripture, we see the people of God struggling in the wilderness. We know the end story. We know that God took them from slavery and brought them into Sinai. We know that God brought them from captivity and brought them into Canaan land. We know that there was a productive outcome at the end. But before that took place, there were many detours. There were many delays. They could have gotten there a lot sooner. But instead, they wandered for years. An entire generation of Israelites had to die in the wilderness. And that is not what God had planned for them. They were, many were deprived of their destiny. Why? You ever ask that question? Why is it? It's because they kept complaining. They kept refusing to see the power of God. God tried to teach them valuable lessons in his love for them, that he would never abandon them. Listen, God cares for you. These are the children that have seen fire, a pillar of fire to warm them and light their way at night. A cloud in the sky. A cloud to, to move them in different directions. God said, don't worry, I will lead you. They saw the Red Sea opened up. They saw bread and, and meat and everything come to them. How could they not know that God was protecting them and God was orchestrating this entire exodus out of Egypt? But yet, they started to look around at themselves and started to pity themselves and say, has Moses brought us out here to die? Is this it? 
Did we leave Egypt for this? Now they're in thirst. Three days in a wilderness, desert land. God cares when we are in trouble. God sends help in time of need. God provides everything, especially when it seems impossible. You can trust the Lord. How many know that? How many have experienced that? If you place your trust in him, you shall not fail. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly, from those who fear him. Do you trust God this morning? I'm telling you, saints of God, you can stand on the very promises of God. God will come through. Praise God. He may not come through the way you expect it. I can tell you testimonies over and over in my life where I thought the miracle was going to happen some certain way. And then God comes through another direction, a back door, front door, side door, from the heavens, from the earth. comes from some different place that I never even thought of. And then I'm blown away and I'm on my face before God. Forgive me, Lord. How many have had to be prostrate before the presence of God? Oh, yeah, I've had my fair share of those days. But God always comes through. I'm at a place in my life I'm not worried anymore. If God said it, that settles it. It's done. It's going to happen. I don't try to think about how it's going to happen, who's going to pay for it, how I'm going to get there, what gas is it. I don't care about nothing. And I'm telling you the truth. I'm, I'm, I'm like a radar. You know, I've said this in the past. I, I believe, and this is not an arrogant statement. I promise you it's not. I say this in complete humility. Moses said of himself that he was the most humble man that ever lived. And that was the Spirit of God that ordained him to say that. But he was a humble man. Let me tell you, the reason why I say I'm a man of great faith is because I I won't move until I hear from God. But when God says go and do, then I'm ready. Once I get the marching orders, boom, it's off to the races. I think if we all just waited to hear from God and when God gave his instruction, just go. Don't worry. I I can tell you a story of of a woman, a real story. A woman brought a $2.8 million building with $1. She wanted to raise a halfway house in in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And the Lord said, go and put a bid on that building. It was two point something million dollars. And she went to all the meetings. And every time they said, listen, you're just a little old, frail, little old lady. You sure you got the money? She goes, "Oh, oh, wait, you don't know. My dad is rich. My dad is filthy rich. He owns everything. Don't worry about money. Money's not an issue. You just go ahead and put my name on the list. She attended every meeting, and they kept saying, you realize you're going to have to put in 25% down payment. Do you got that kind of money? Don't worry. My dad is rich. My dad is filthy rich. My dad owns everything, silver and gold. Trust me, I'm not worried about the money. It's going to happen. Don't worry about it. You just write my name down. You put my name on the paper. When the time comes, the money's going to be here. Lo and behold, there were some problems going on in Bridgeport, Connecticut, political issues, and the buildings were declared to be abandoned and this and that. And they ultimately said, I'll tell you what, being that you want this building so bad, We'll give it to you for one dollar. Do you have the dollar? We'll just sign the contract. It's yours. We're just going to gift it to you and you invest it. Being that your dad got all the money, you invest and you fix up the building because we don't want to condemn it. We want it to be utilized. She took out a dollar bill out of her pocket, signed the closing uh, documents. She had a brand new pen for the job. And now that is still in effect today. Bridgeport, Connecticut, a drug rehabilitation, a halfway house for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
When God calls you to do something, you don't have to worry about how it's going to get done. You just got to obey the voice of the Lord. Stop worrying about anything. Praise God. What happens is we remove the blessing. We remove the favor of God. We say, this is crazy. I can't believe this. I don't have $2.8 million. I, don't need, I need $17.33 just to be broke. My bank account is in the red. I don't have no money. This is crazy. Yeah, and guess what? You ain't going to get no building. Your, your faith and obedience must meet. The power of God will be released according to the degree of your obedience and no more. If your faith level is here, your obedience level is here, the power is going to be released. But if your faith level is here and you want to get somewhere up here, you can't make it. You know why? Because you're unwilling to let the Spirit of God out of the cage, which is in your prison of unbelief and doubt. And then you wonder why things ain't happening. And then you look at other people that are flourishing in the things of God, other people that are flying in the Spirit, and you say, why is it working for them? Why ain't it working for me? Maybe it's because you're complaining. Maybe it's because you're not believing. Maybe it's because you don't know the God. That they know. Am I talking to somebody in this place? Hallelujah. Praise God. Turn to your neighbor and say, I hope he ain't talking about you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God cares for you. You can trust him. Praise the Lord. There were some lessons that they could have learned if they would have just paid attention. A couple of chapters earlier at Marah, God had sweetened the bitter water. They get into a place, they can't drink the water, it's so bitter. Have you ever thrown a rock in like a bitter puddle or something? It smells almost like, like an eggy thing. I'm not going to say the word because everybody will get grossed out. But you know what I'm talking about, right? It's like a flatulence. It's an egg flatulence aroma, a nasty one. And when you throw it in, they say, we can't drink this. This is ungodly. This is, this is the devil right here. I can't drink this. And they started to complain. And then the Lord told uh, uh, Moses, he gave him a stick and said, put this in the water. Three days and nights they wandered thirsty and then the bitter waters and Moses sought the Lord he said take this tree and put it in the water it sweetened it it purified it and they all begin to drink the water then they go out of water and I mean they're, they're seeing the manna coming from heaven God listen if I saw bread listen if I saw bread warm bread out of the oven you ever had hot bread mantequilla and a cup of coffee bro are you kidding hey i wish i had a napkin too with some bread hallelujah hot bread baked from the oven and not only that it was baked in a heavenly oven it must have been delicious my wife would have said no bread for you no bread for you you can't have no bread that's what she's on her kick right now no bread for you But if I saw bread coming from heaven, I would know that my God has got me. That I don't have to worry about my provision. I don't have to worry about my sustenance. I don't have to worry about anything. If God called me out of Egypt and took me out of my chains, out of the back whips of my back from the taskmaster, and I get into the wilderness, I'm looking around, there's nothing. But then I look up and there's bread. 
showering me. They saw the bread from heaven, and then they started complaining. God, why can't we have some chickens up in here? I need some KFC. Lord, and then God says, oh, these people, man. So then he starts bringing quail, and now they're starting to get their meat on. Hallelujah. They're starting to eat. God has shown himself strong. And then here they go at Rephadim. Now, this is actually the valley. I want you to look at the size of that rock. We're going to talk about that in a minute. You see the man there is a six-foot-tall man. In Israel, this is the valley or the place that they believe is the place of Rafadim. And if you look at that mountain on the top, that they believe that's the, the mount or the rock of Horeb. And there's literally uh, 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 water streams and stuff that are on the rocks that they saw at one time. There must have been water gushing out all over the place. There's residue in the past from big giant streams or rivers of water right there in a region where it's miles away from any type or, or source of water. But here they are. They ran out of water again. They ran out and they're in a hot desert, three days walking, and they're starting to complain again. They should have kept their cool. They should have known the God that they were serving. But what did they do? They started complaining. They started murmuring. And they seemed to forget the faithfulness of God. Listen, saints of God, yes, there are problems that we're all going to go through. But how can we ever forget the faithfulness of God? of God. If you have been delivered of anything, and for those of us that have been delivered of numerous, many, many things, there's going to come a point in time where you say, you know what, I know this doesn't look great. I, I get it. This, there's tractors in our backyard right now. They're going to be building apartments, and they want to tear this building down. Listen, your pastor ain't tripping. I'm not worried. Praise God. God has something amazing, amazing in store for this house. Listen, if this was Albert and Francis Evangelical Church, you should be worried and run for your life. But this is not. This is God's house. His name is here. This is his church. This is his problem. All I have to do is worship the Lord of lords, the King of kings, the Lord of glory. Guess what? It's glory time. How else can God show himself strong unless there's some drama llama ding dong out in the parking lot so that those that are truly committed to him say, whoa, we're going to see something powerful up in here. Praise God. I am not worried. But for everybody else that doesn't believe, say, this guy's lost his mind. He don't know what he's talking about. Does he realize what's at stake here? Do they realize the God I serve? Do they know Yehovah, God? Do they know my Messiah? Do they know the living word? Do they know the bread from heaven? Do they know the door, the gate? I know them, praise God. It's all Moses' fault. If it wasn't for him, he must not have heard from God the right way. He must have missed a little shortcut. He must have heard the wrong thing. Isn't it funny when people try to use you so they could blame themselves for not hearing from God? They got to have a scapegoat. Somebody's got to pay. 
I don't want to hear God from my own self, but what is God telling you so I could do what you tell me, and then if it doesn't work, you blame God, and you blame the person. Get it together. Praise God. We look everywhere. We look around. Looks like a wasteland. They forgot God. Let's look at the prayer of Moses. This is where it starts to get good. Hallelujah. What shall I do with these people? They're ready to stone me. These angry and thirsty Jews were literally looking for rocks to throw it at brother Moses. Praise God. This is serious. They were looking at killing him. That's murder. It's so easy to blame people, to blame others when things don't seem to be going right. Do you know that when you get angry, the Bible says, be ye angry, but do not sin. Don't let the bed, don't let the sun go down in your bed, right, when you're angry in your bed. It says, be a, it's a natural emotion. It's not a spirit. It's an emotion. But when people get angry and they lash out and allow their anger to cause them to sin, this is where the devil becomes glorified. They begin to worship the enemy in their anger. This is what happens. They're now looking to kill Moses. What shall I do with the people? What does that mean? Moses had no clue of what he was supposed to do. How am I going to deal with these people that are going to throw rocks at me? The minute I say, wait, 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 they're going to throw a rock and hit me. But he knew where to get the answer. He ran to the Father. How many of us run to the Lord when you don't know what else to do? This is the whole point of today's uh, uh, message. Run to the Father. You're going through a crisis? Run to the Father. You're going through a storm? Run to the Father. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Turn to the Lord. So many times in Scripture we see mighty men and women of God going through the most trying, incredible impossible storms, impossible crisis, and what do they do and how do they get set free? It's the same formula over and over again. Go to the Lord. Turn to the Lord. In 2 Kings 19, Hezekiah went to the Lord when he was threatened by Sennacherib, if I pronounced it correctly. Do your homework. Read the chapter. Daniel was put into a den of hungry lions overnight. Daniel chapter 6. What did he do? Why was he sent there? It was because of his prayer. There was a hunchback woman with a spirit of infirmity for eight years. She met Jesus and was immediately loosed. Luke 13 on that one. There was a woman with an issue of blood, 12 years, touched Jesus' garment, and she was immediately healed in Matthew chapter 9. Paul and Silas were beaten half to death, and they were thrown in prison, and they had a praise and worship service, and an earthquake came and busted the doors open. Praise God. What are you going to do when your storm comes? How are you going to fight your battle. Notice how I just gave some examples of men and women. Because God cares for us all. One of the greatest miracles ever. Movies. Charlton Heston, that was my man. The Red Sea crossing. Can you imagine that? The Red Sea. And it opened up. And they all walked across as on dry 
soil as on dry land. And then they all get to the other side. Pharaoh's army comes and tries to attack them. And they're still, you brought us here to kill us. All of a sudden, he closes it in. And the water destroys an entire army. Say it loud. On the darkest day, God makes a way. Praise the Lord. We've got to learn to understand the very fact that God is going to be the way maker in your crisis. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Glory to God. God heard Moses' prayer. He did a miracle at the place called Rephadim. You know what the word Rephadim means? It means a place of rest, a place of stay. Yes, they went three days on a journey, but they get to the place of rest. Do you think that God is going to forget about them at the place of rest? It's at the place of rest that God is going to meet you. It's at the place of rest where God is going to sustain you. And we cannot choose to complain at that place. This is the place where the provision of God is at hand. God told Moses, lead your people to the rock. Hallelujah. Lead them to the rock of Horeb. Horeb is known as a dry land, as a desolate land. And he said, take the staff, the very staff that you touched the waters in Egypt to turn it into blood. And he told them, strike the rock and expect water to come from it. Glory to God. If God tells you to strike the rock, what are you supposed to do? If God says to expect water, what do you think is going to come out of the rock? Lemonade? Kool-Aid? You think the Kool-Aid guy is going to pop out? Well, boom. Uh -huh. Or oh, the honeycomb hideout? What is it? This crazy Saturday commercials. Right? If God said the water is going to gush out of the rock, then all you got to do is go to the rock. Hallelujah. If God tells you what is going to happen, all you need to do is go, sir, yes, sir. You just march and go and do what God told you to do. So many of us miss it. If God said it, just do it. Stop asking questions. Stop trying to be a geologist. Well, according to the calculations of the geological symmetry of the rock, I don't think all water can gush out. H2O, the element chart says. Get it together. Just do what God said to do. Our God is the God of the impossible. That's why it's called a supernatural miracle. So many people miss the power of God. You know why? Because they grieve the Holy Spirit. Unlock the prison doors of your heart and your mind and free the Spirit of God from your prison. Praise the Lord. God loves to show you who he is and what he does. How else, listen, this is so simple. How else can God show himself strong if there ain't no problem that he has to overcome? How else can God heal you of a disease if you haven't been diagnosed with a disease? 
You know, sometimes we get bad news. I, I get it. I understand. But that is not the end. God starts in the positive and he ends in the positive. The middle is up to you. You could take the lesson and have it a quick lesson. Or you could be like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't understand. It may work for you. This doesn't work for me. God doesn't deal with me this way. It's because of that that you're delaying the blessing. God sometimes has to send an entire army to your door. He has to send an army to rise up against you so that you would turn to him. Sometimes we only speak in tongues when there's an army at the door. Now we're speaking in tongues from a place of defeat. God, help me. I don't know what to do. God, help me. Those who know their God will be strong and will do great exploits. The Bible says if you falter in times of trouble, how weak is your strength? How many times do we hear Jesus tell the disciples, Oh, ye of little faith, when he went to Jerusalem, just before he was going to be put to death, the Bible says he looked over the city. And what happened? He wept over the city. Jerusalem, the city of God, Jesus said, has become a harlot. They were going to stone him when he started to try to turn over the tables. They, they wanted to kill him. They started plotting. We got to take this guy out because there's some power going on here. Look at what he did to the temple. He's showing us up. They started plotting his death. And he says, many miracles could not be done in the city of Jerusalem because of their lack of faith, their lack of trust in him. Jerusalem is known as the city of unbelief. And it seems like our nation right now has become the nation of unbelief. If you spell the word Jerusalem, do you know what the three little letters are in the middle of the word Jerusalem? U-S-A. We're synonymous. The same things that happened to Jerusalem happened to us. i seen a message from Perry Stone where he superimposed uh, uh, Israel and he took a map of the United States and he superimposed it on each other. And all the little spots in, in Jerusalem are synonymous with U-S-A. The gold, everything, all the other different things. It was pretty fascinating. But listen... God loves Israel, but God loves America. God loves the whole world. If he didn't, he would not have sent his only begotten son. He loves you today. The fact that you are here and you are seated at this day and this place is because God has a plan for your life. Your responsibility is to discover the destiny that God has called you. So that you could live your life to the fullest and reach your destiny in Christ Jesus. That sounds complicated, doesn't it? Let me simplify it for you. Amen? You want to know what the will of God is in your life? Here's the will of God. Simple as pie. Because there's no such thing as permissive will and perfect will. We, a permissive will is only a reason that camouflages your disobedience. Oh, well, I'm not in the perfect will of God, but I'm in his permissible. No, you're sinning. You're a sinner. You're lying to yourself. 
you're making an excuse so you don't have to do what God called you to do. The sin of omission. To him that know to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Oh, I'm in the permissible will of God. No, you're not. Here's the perfect will of God for every believer. This is so simple. A caveman could understand this. Here it goes. You ready? You do the next thing in obedience that God tells you to do, and you'll always be in the perfect will of God. It's so simple. That's a direct quote from Ed Cole. I learned that in Maximize Manhood. You do what God tells you to do, and do it to the letter, and you'll always be in the perfect will of God. So many people say, I think God is calling me to Africa. God is calling me to China, but you won't go to Marco's Pizza and minister to the guy behind the counter. But you want to go to China and, and preach to the whole Chinese country. But you won't go to the corner store and tell the man that Jesus loves him. You won't tell your next door neighbor who keeps having his dog defecate on your, on your yard. You won't talk to him about Christ because you're so uptight that his dog is pooping in your yard. But you want to go to Russia and be a missionary. How about this? You want to be able to prophesy and teach and sing and dance, but you're robbing God in tithes and offerings. Ooh, I just offended some people here. You see, there's an order in the Spirit of God. There's order, and there has to be order. God does everything in order. He doesn't operate outside of order. But we want to make God do what we want to do. How we want to do it. And if you don't like, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I do what I want. Rebellion. Witchcraft. Sorcery. Pharmacia. Get it together. Praise God. Amen. Can I continue? Praise the Lord. The rock at Horeb. A dry, desolate rock. This rock is a symbol of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you that in a moment. Hallelujah. This rock was Moses' rock. Deuteronomy 32.4. He is the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are justice. A God of truth and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. That rock was Moses' rock. Hallelujah. This rock is David's rock. Psalm 18, 1 and 2. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. This rock is Isaiah's rock. Isaiah 32, 1 and 2, Behold, a king will reign in righteousness, and princes will rule with justice. A man will be as a hiding place from the wind and a cover from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. This rock was Peter's rock. Glory to God. 1 Peter 2, 6, Therefore, it is also contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes in him will by no means be put to shame. Is this rock your rock this morning? Is Jesus the rock of your salvation? Is he the rock of your deliverance? A rock is strong and durable. The Bible says in Matthew 7, 25, the wise man builds his house upon the rock and the winds will come the storms will rage but the the rock the house that's built on the rock shall not be moved 
The church of God is built upon the rock. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said, I will build my church on the rock and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This very rock is the, big, is the very picture of Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus smitten and, and stricken. Hallelujah. As a rock. Hallelujah. Listen to this. In Isaiah 53, 3 through 5, it says, He is despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Grief, And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God. And afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Jesus Christ was rejected by man, he was stricken for us, smitten by God. The stone that the builders rejected became for us the chief cornerstone. Moses was told by God, Strike the rock, and the water would flow from the rock. Strike the rock and water will come out of it and the people will drink from it. Psalm 105, 41, it says, He opened the rock and water gushed out. It ran in the dry places like a river. Isaiah 35, 6 and 7, it says, For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. God will cause rivers of water to flow in your dry and barren lands. Some of us have been dry in our walk with Christ. Some of us have been weary and parched. Some of us are wondering, where is God? Let me tell you today, there is living water for you. There is resources. There is provision. Trust in the Lord in the power of his might fear not for our God loves you and he cares for you and Jesus as a symbol of this rock water came from his pierced stricken side the stone that the builders rejected became the, the, the chief cornerstone and they pierced his side just like the rock was smitten just like the rock was split in two and water came Jesus was pierced for us and the water came from him this is the rhema from God's word the rejected stone the rock of offense here he provides living water also in a dry and barren land and the Bible says those who drink of it shall never thirst again listen to this verse in John 4 Jesus said whoever drinks of this water will thirst again but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life glory to God how many have the living water of Jesus Christ inside of you it should flow out like a stream like a living water a river of living water John 7 37 38 Jesus stood up and said if anyone thirst let him come to me and drink he who believes in me as the scripture has said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water there is living water for your thirsty soul here and now today. 
There is cool, fresh water to quench the thirst that you have for God. There is living water that flowed from the rock, that flowed from the cross, and it flows in this room right here and right now. I want you to think about this. In Revelations chapter 22, this is the very last chapter in the Bible. And a few verses, I believe it has up to verse 21. Listen to verse 17. Look at this verse. I found this to be extremely wonderful. Revelations 22, 17. It says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who thirsts, Come, whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. Praise God. The river of living water, the water of life is made available to every single one of us here in this room. Whether you believe it or not, it is available. Whether you trust the Lord or not, it is available. So many times, in times of crisis, we forget to come to the Lord. And he says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Many times, we don't go to Christ. We don't come to Jesus as a first resort. We go to everybody else, but we don't go to Jesus Christ. We go to psychologists. We go to therapists. We go to hypnotists. We go to fundamentalists. We go to exhibitionists, to pragmatists, to sentimentalists. We go to experimentalists, to egotists, to revolutionists. We go to nutritionists. We go to prohibitionists. We go to institutionalists. Some try to fill the void with polygamists. Others try to fill the void with their prescription list. Men speak to their receptionists. Tree huggers seek out environmentalists. Religious folks seek out dogmatists. And when it's all said and done, all of them completely miss. Do you need peace? This morning, you need to go to the Prince of Peace. John 14, 27. Peace. This is Jesus' words. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Saints of God, don't forget who is with you. We have the living word, the God of heaven and earth in us. Mark 4.39, and then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Isaiah 26, I love these verses, praise God. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For in Yah, the Lord, is everlasting strength. Did you hear that? For in Yah, there is strength, everlasting strength. He is the Lord. Trust in him. So many people Problems come and they begin to panic and they forget all about God, forget about all things that they have seen him do and they get all shook up. Elvis Presley, he used to be a nobody. 
He was a truck driver who made $14 a day. One day he recorded a demo which somehow ended up in the hands of a promoter. And the next thing you know, he was an overnight sensation. Elvis Presley once said, I would give a million dollars for one week of peace. He recorded a song that probably described his life. All shook up. I'm all shook up. He sang. He was in the Guinness Book of World Records for the most albums sold. I believe it was 500 million albums. At 42 years old, he was sitting on a hotel toilet and he died of an overdose. Many believe it was suicide. He had large amounts of codeine in his system. What is codeine? It's a painkiller. I saw an interesting little video clip that it turns out many of the people that played with him and lived with him and were his security guards, they said he was really immersed in the occult. He believed he was Jesus Christ. He believed he was a God. He believed that he could heal people. Yeah, he was shook up. Messed up. Yeah. That was the king. I wonder where he's king of now. Praise God. So many people are in pain. We live in a world that glorifies pain and even promotes fear. Listen to this. Rihanna, and I don't want to even put pictures of her. She gets no airplay in this church. But listen to this. I was looking at an at interview with her, and it turns out she wrote a song about suicide. About putting guns in a chamber, spinning it, and pull the trigger. And you'll know if you're alive or dead. And you'll know where you end up. Something along those lines. I didn't even want to read the song. This week, we received a call from a young man who had basically said goodbye to all his loved ones. Thank God he's alive today. Thank God because the prayers of the righteous availeth much. But what's happening is we live in a world that glorifies evil, that glorifies depression, that glorifies anxiety. And they say, you know what? You might as well just take yourself out. It's so evil. L let me tell you why this is extremely evil. Because Satanists, those occult leaders, they believe they get power when someone dies. So if they sing songs about suicide or drug addiction or any kind of weird stuff, sexual depravity, and somebody starts to fall into this stuff, they get power. They could care less what happens to your life if you die or not. But they believe that they get power and this power will promote them to go even further. Listen, especially the Super Bowl. Every artist wants to be on the Super Bowl. Do you think... They let them on the Super Bowl just to be on the Super Bowl? No. You've got to have demons all over the place. You've got to have made packs, blood oaths with demons and so many demonic, even Satan himself. You are not going to be on the Super Bowl halftime show unless you have made a pack with the devil. And that's a fact. It's getting more wicked and more demonic every single 
uh, Super Bowl. Do you know that the red colors they wear, it's not a, a coincidence. You look at the past five or ten halftime shows, they're all wearing red. You know why? Because it's part of their satanic color, a ritual to defile the blood of Jesus Christ. And they wear upside down crosses and everything else. I could go on and on and on with this stuff. But they want to gain power from the simple ones. Saints of God, we need to get hip to the world's plan. We need to understand that we have power and authority over the wicked one. I thank God that the prayers of the righteous are availing. And I'm told that we're going to be doing a seminar very soon uh, uh, with uh, uh, tools that are going to help us to provide help for those that that think that suicide is the only way out. I, I've been in contact with Rose Ortero, and we're going to be putting a seminar here for anyone that wishes to attend, free of charge, so we can learn how to minister to those that are affected with depression and anxiety and all that. So we know how to point them the right way, to point them to Jesus Christ. There is salvation. There is hope in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the hope of glory. We're in such dangerous times, evil times, but there is hope. How many understand that we've got to run to the arms of the Father? Ephesians 3, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ever ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Verse 7, what we read earlier, as I'm coming to a close. Notice the two words that Moses called out. Let me read it again. So he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the contention of the children of Israel. And because they tempted the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? I want you to listen to the names of these words and their meaning. Number one, Massa. It means the place of trials. Meribah means the place of quarreling. I ask you this morning, and I need you to be honest with yourself. Are you living in Massa today? The place of trial. Are you in the place of trial? How about Meribah? Are you living in the place of quarreling? Are you in the place of complaints and negativity? It reminds me of another city in Scripture, a place called Lodabar. Lodabar is a place where Jonathan, Saul's son, where Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, he was crippled at five years old and he had lost the use of his legs. And he lived in a land called Lodabar. And he lived there and thought there was no hope until the king said, go and find the heir. Go and find the son of Jonathan and bring him to the king's table. From this day forward, he will be seated at the table of the Lord. But I want to focus on the word Lodabar. Do you know what Lodabar means? It means nothingness. Lodabar means nothingville. How many live in Lodabar? How many's hopes and aspirations and dreams have been made in Lodabar? Nothingville. He that aims for nothing is sure to hit the target. It's time for us to come away from Nothingville. Let me give you an example. To enjoy the fragrance of perfume, the seal must first be broken. To see a plant come out of the ground, 
The shell from its seed must be broken by what's inside. To enjoy roasted peanuts, they must first be broken out of their shells. For a baby chick to experience life, it must first break itself out of the shell that surrounds it. If we want to see God's face and experience his love and power, we too must first be broken. I tell you, saints of God, if God is breaking you today, if God seems to be crushing you, if God seems to be pruning you, it's because he loves you and he wants you to grow and produce even more fruit. Some of you are going through hostile times, through a terrible time. Some of you are going through a hostile environment, but God says, don't worry. I've got you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to uphold you with my righteous right hand. Fear not, says the Lord, for I I am with you. There's a father who assigned his daughter a project to keep her mind occupied for a little while. He had a picture of the entire world, so he decided he would tear it up into numerous pieces, and then he asked her to tape it back together again. He figured it would be like a jigsaw puzzle, and she would be occupied for hours. His daughter agreed and went right to work. Five minutes later, she came back to her dad with the entire picture put back together again. Her father saw it and was astounded. And he asked her, honey, how did you put this back together so quickly? She answered him, dad, on the back was a picture of Jesus. I figured if I got Jesus right, the whole world will come back together again. Saints of God. Our world is in chaos because we aren't focused on Jesus Christ first. Our families might be out of alignment because we have lost sight of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you the truth, many churches are buck wild because they have lost sight of Jesus Christ. I was just sharing on Wednesday night, there's a church now in Atlanta. The pastor has decided to grow marijuana on a 2.6 acre lot. And he says, I'm going to show the kids agriculture, cultivation, and how many people are we going to reach for Christ when they know that they could come to church and smoke weed. After all, weed is legal. Yeah, weed is legal. Alcohol is legal, but it's not good for you. Pornography is legal, but it's not good for you. Drugs, legal, but it's not good for you. There's so much that is not good for you. We need to have self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. Are you thirsty this morning? Come to the fountain and drink. Do you think that God has called us here to die do you think this is the end of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church because we got some bulldozers back there? Really? Satan. Ha, 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 ha. Get thee behind me. Do you think that God is not aware of your suffering? He cares for you. Write this down. This has been in every message, I think, for four weeks straight, and I'm probably going to use it every Sunday. And it shall come to pass, Isaiah 65, 24. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, 
I will hear. Saints of God, you serve a mighty God, a God full of love, rich in mercy, a God who is faithful in the good times and the bad. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Let's learn from the children of Israel. Let's learn from those in the wilderness, the ungrateful, the forgetful. Let's remember to worship God even when things don't seem right. Let's remember to worship him through the crisis. Return our focus unto him. And one of my favorites, and I'm going to read it in its entirety. This is the most encouraging, I believe, of all psalms. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Hallelujah. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Saints of God, take your crisis and take it to Christ. Let us go from crisis to Christ. God bless you this morning. We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. Thank you for listening. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. If you've been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? To make a donation is easy. You can visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845-956-0133. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or 845-956-0133. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.